What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today we are talking with Mark LaBelle, vocalist of the hard rock band Dirty Honey. Dirty Honey is releasing their self-titled full-length debut album on April 23rd. And the first single of that album, California Dreamin', is already getting great reviews. Rolling Stone called the song a bold opener with towering chorus hooks and slipshod grooves featuring smoking guitar solos bookended by massive riffs and hooks. What a great review for an opening song. Now, at Hardcore Humanism, our goal is to help you apply some of the core principles of humanistic psychology so that you can overcome obstacles, find your purpose, work hard to achieve it, and build a community around you who will support your best and most authentic life. Now, in our discussion, Mark talks very specifically about his purpose and what has guided a lot of his decision-making, which is a passion for music. And one of the things that's a bit deceptive about listening to Mark is the laid-back, casual way he talks about his impressive career and what he needed to do to get to where he is. He talks about how he went to California with no job, no home, no band to pursue his music, and he lived in his car or on friends' porches to get by. Now, during this time, he built a schedule that reflected his needs not only to survive, but also to pursue his music career. And Dirty Honey does not even have a record label. They are an independent band that is building from the ground up. And all the while, what guides Mark's decisions is a passion for music. That is the glue for him. He needs to be with bandmates, associates, and friends who support that passion he feels and support his purpose in music. We hope you find Mark's story inspiring as you pursue your own purpose, whatever it is that lights you up, and that getting up every morning and working to achieve your purpose in life is something that is inspiring and fulfilling. But if you do not feel that way most of or hardly any of the time, finding even a sliver of that passion can be enough of a starting point and guiding presence for eventually understanding who you are and what you want to achieve in this life. And when we find that purpose, that commitment to something that feels bigger than ourselves, it can help us overcome adversity, whether we're living in our car or becoming rock stars. So let's hear what Mark has to say. So Mark, welcome to Hardcore Humanism. Thank you. How are you? Doing all right. So let's just get right to it. One of the things that was so striking about your story, and you and I had talked a little while back, is, you know, you had a lot going on being an athlete, you know, doing well in school, and yet you still decided, look, this is going to be my path. And so why don't we start right there with how did you discover that music, as opposed to other opportunities, was your purpose? Yeah, I was I was actually living um, in Italy at the time in Florence, and I was I was hosting an open mic night out there at a bar, and I just remember this Italian guy coming up to me and saying, uh, "You will work for me now. You're a, you're an amazing singer. You work for me." I said, "Okay." Um, and and any time you can go abroad and start to earn a living doing anything really, you know, that, that's a big step. Um, and I just decided I was playing for small audiences every night, just playing acoustic guitar and, and singing covers, but I knew I loved it and, and really close friends out there would be like, I've never seen you sing before. And you really have a stage presence. Like, it's just weird. It, you seem so comfortable up there. And 
it was shortly after that experience living abroad that I just decided I'm going to move out west when I get home and, and take a shot at LA, which which didn't go as planned as as it didn't go as well as I wanted it to as soon as I wanted it to. Now, when you decided to go to LA, I'm I'm sure that there were people who were saying to you, "Hey, you know." Maybe you don't want to consider that, or you maybe even yourself said, well, like, why am I doing that instead of other options? Maybe, maybe more conventional or traditional options. What made you decide that like, no, 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 even without the certainty of it, I'm going to go and try to do this. I had a, so after living abroad, one of my best friends out in Italy was from California. His best friend growing up lived in uh, Playa del Rey, which is like, it's, it's LA. It's one of the beaches in LA. And I visited California to go see my buddy, Kyle, who introduced me to, to his childhood friend who just happened to have a spare bedroom. So the risk of moving was kind of limited just by virtue of, of knowing somebody who had a spare bedroom, who wasn't charging me a lot in rent, which was very nice of him. But yeah. I didn't get a lot of pushback from, from anybody about doing it because it was just such a weird it was a weird time, honestly. And it was fun. It was, it was just a new adventure. And I'd obviously been pretty travel savvy by then, um, living abroad. So my, you know, my parents were like, yeah, do whatever you want. You know, just, they just wanted me to get a real job and, you know, uh, have a steady income. And, you know, I never asked them for money really ever in my life. So, you know, so long as I wasn't doing that, they were like, yeah, do whatever you want. Now you talked about living out of your car, like really going like a long period of time without necessarily having that steady income, without necessarily having that certainty of success. Yeah. And so the the kid I moved in with, he was finishing up school and then he moved back home. So that living situation just sort of organically ended. And uh, I moved in with a girlfriend at the time and that blew up pretty fast. And I, I started living out of my car and I got into kind of a rhythm living, you know, out of my car, living like a cockroach, showering at the gym and figuring all that stuff out, just finding, a, finding out how to fill a day while not really having a home was interesting. And then on top of that, going and doing gigs, you know, and then the gig would end at two, three in the morning. And then you just got to find a place to sleep out of your car or whatever, crash on a friend's couch, getting that grind worked out was definitely tricky. Um, but once I, once I figured it out, it was kind of okay, you know, and then graduated from the car to a friend's porch <laughs> for another year. And that, that was honestly one of the better times of my life that I can remember. Just a great house of guys, um, in West Hollywood. We just had a blast all the time. And we were all again, living like cockroaches at that point. And just a supportive group of guys that I'm, I'm friends with all these people still to this day, you know, I always will. Now, what does the grind look like in that circumstance? And, and particularly, you know, again, this is a situation in which are you thinking to yourself, I'm going for this professionally. Like this is, this is what I really want. And, and if so, how do you go about that on a day-to-day basis? You know, it's funny you say that. Cause I like looking back, I wasn't giving, you know, the 110% to writing music. I didn't, I didn't have the uh, priorities right 
because because ultimately everything comes down to the music. Is the music good enough for people to respond to? And I didn't really understand that. You know, you move out here and you think it's oh, if I get the right manager, if I get the right booking agent, if I meet the right people, then the dominoes will fall. When really it's all about the work. Um, is your art good enough? And you know, looking back, I wasn't writing songs every day. I wasn't, I was trying to book gigs and, and make a couple hundred bucks here and there playing, playing club gigs, but we would be playing covers. And what I did take from that though, is I became a much better singer singing four hours a night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There is some plus to all that, but thinking back, I probably should have been working on the music a little more, but yeah, what's it look like? It, when you're living in your car, you, you shower at the gym in the morning, you go get a coffee at Starbucks and breakfast somewhere, you go to your, your work or internship. I wasn't making a lot of money at all. I'd spend my day doing whatever I had to do. would go back and surf the internet uh, at, a, at a coffee shop trying to book gigs and stuff uh, all over LA, you know, just anywhere I could get a Wi-Fi connection, go back to the gym to shower before pulling the seat back and laying down in the car at night and then do it all over again the next day. So what happened that you shifted into that more serious mode? And did that change sort of the, the tenor of how you spent your time? It wasn't until uh, Nato, to his credit, was the one who was always like, I feel like we should be doing gigs. We got to stop doing the bar gig, which we never really stopped. But he was like, there needs to be a shift into cultivating like a 45-minute original set. And we started to take stock in the fact that we would play original songs sandwiched between like Zeppelin and Aerosmith and ACDC. And people would come up to us afterwards and be like, I want to hear an original. And we'd be like, well, we just did. So we kind of knew we were doing something right. If these songs were holding up in the middle of all these other songs by great artists, but never really did the boogie where you like put on a showcase for management people. We never did any of that. Um, but then the, really the last domino to fall was when we got Corey involved and, and he wanted to be in an original project. And that sort of really set everything in motion to like, okay, we're going to start writing all the time and put these songs together. And, and once that last piece of the puzzle was in place, I remember saying to the guys, I fought with the guys about it for like a week. I said, Hey, we have an opportunity let's go into Capitol records. We'll shoot some original videos to put out on to the internet so that people have something to see. Give me some sort of ammo to, to reach out to people with. Cause I really believed in, in the music we were making. You know, we didn't have any recordings. We didn't have any video. We didn't have anything. So I said, we need, just give me something to show people so I can get some traction going. And, and that's what we did. And really that was when everything started to change. And, once it started clicking, I guess one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is that did, you know, what you're describing is not necessarily smooth per se, but it certainly sounds like it, it, it has kind of like a linear feel to it. And I'm wondering if at any point it started to go sideways in one way or another where you were like, okay, in retrospect, like we tried this and I wish we didn't, or we had to cope with this. We had a drummer at one point who just, he was an amazing drummer and amazing. Like if he walked into the room, he'd be like, that guy's a rock star for sure. 
musically, everything was amazing. He just personality wise didn't gel. And there was probably a year there that got wasted doing this thing with him. And then it blew up and, and, and it just kind of sent us back to the drawing board. And, you know, you're just kind of sitting there like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? You know, how is this? Because at that point, I remember Justin, the bass player, specifically saying to me, he's like, I see this now. I see this on a big stage with this guy on drums. Um, Let's go. He was like, let's go. This is going to work, you know. And then it didn't. And you're just like, what the hell are we doing wrong here? So, yeah, that that was probably the most uh, down part of the whole journey, just getting so far and then starting over again, essentially. One of the things that I think a lot of people wonder about is what are those qualities that you need in a band? Because one of the things that you're saying before is like, oh, you know, it's about the music. Okay, so this guy is a great drummer, but there's a lot of things that go into making a band work. And, and from where you're sitting now, in retrospect and now looking forward, what are the things that you need from the people in your band or the team surrounding your band that makes the difference between like, okay, this is going to work or maybe this isn't. I can, I can answer that very honestly and very easily. It's, it all stems from passion and I get asked all the time, like, Hey, you guys are with this management company. You think they can help me like break my record or whatever. Ultimately I'm like, no, it's not my man. It's not the management company. It's the people that work with you are passionate about what you're doing. And that's, that's the band. That's the business people. That's, you know, your manager, your agent, like if they're not genuinely passionate about what's going on musically, you know, you're, you're only doing yourself a disservice being associated with those people. It, It can only go so far just based on relationships because it's a much different conversation if, if a manager says, hey, do me a favor, play this record or whatever, you know, that quote unquote, do me a favor, give me, give me some spins on this record or whatever versus uh, I'm about to blow your mind. This is the best thing I've heard in fucking 10 years in rock and roll or whatever. It's just coming from a genuine place of passion. And word of mouth is, as we know, is for sure the most powerful form of marketing. And if somebody's actually excited about something, it's going to it's going to go the distance. So I, I would say passion is definitely the most crucial element of, of all of this, you know, from, from on every level, creatively, business, everything. And so let's take that into the pandemic, right? Because here you guys are, you're just breaking, right? So this is very different than, you know, I'll, I'll talk to a lot of people and, you know, they'll say very directly, you know, it's been so much easier for me because I've, been established for 20 years. I've built my fan base. I've got a catalog. I, you know, it's, it's upsetting. It's tough, but it's, there's, there's a sense that look, it's, it's going to be there at some point. Even, even those people, to be honest, are a lot of people are, are really troubled by this, but you guys are, like you said, a passionate, you know, kind of dirty rock and roll band, you know, like, and the whole thing, your live shows are fantastic and the pandemic hit. And it's like, you know, you're talking about just like a, a combination of a kick in the gut and a kick in the balls. How do you maintain that passion during what for everyone is just a, an absolute like wet blanket of a time in so many different ways? You know, it's funny. Somebody like Corey, for instance, really thrived in this environment. He loves to like 
sit and focus on his playing and know exactly how he's going to attack a song. And he, he just loves like, he loves being in the studio, thinking about what's best for the songs. And, and that's really where he shines. Like my happy place is on the road, traveling, experiencing different cultures, seeing new things. But I think everybody went through a good, like at least two months of what the hell are we going to do now? When is this going to, you know, all the question marks early on. And then slowly but surely, you know, we had a couple songs and then we started diving into the songs and realized we had a bunch of ideas we could expand on. And again, that's where the passion comes in. If you really like writing and creating music, if you're afforded the time, like we were with the pandemic to go and make everything you have better, you know, it's a good way to, to stay driven. And, and when you see like the fruits of your labor, you know, in a way where, Hey, I've got this riff. If I just put the hours into figuring out how to make this melody work or whatever, it only like sends you deeper down the rabbit hole of wanting to create more. And trust me, there's plenty of times where it's not that, you know, where, where it's just an endless like slug through the, through the sewer, you know, where you just feel like you're not getting anywhere. But ultimately if you put the time in, it, it seems to work out for some reason. And that just helps you stay like on track. But I, I've certainly taken a little departure from that after recording the latest record and just taking some time to try and find inspiration. And, you know, I, I said in a quote somewhere, it's hard to write about life if you're not really living a life, which is annoying right now. It's, it's getting that place now where you're like, I want to go and do stuff. We have this beautiful record. I want to go out and play and can't still. So it's ultimately really frustrating. And, and how do you maintain that intensity? Because I think that for a lot of people, you know, we're talking about almost like a difference between kind of like an intrinsic versus an extrinsic motivation. You know, if you see crowds and people are buying albums and, and you know, fans are, are coming and talking with you and you're having, like you say, all that interaction, it's, I, I would imagine it's easier on some level, but it's the harder part is when you don't know if you're getting any of that, you know, yeah. the passion, you don't, you don't know if the passion is going to be met with any kind of reward except for the passion. And I'm just kind of curious for you. Are there, are there times where you're kind of like, man, this fucking sucks. You know, like I, 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 I'm, you know, like I'm so into this, but now that stuff's not happening, it just kind of killed it for me. Yeah. I think uh, we've all been there at one point or another during all this. And I try and stay busy. You know, I, I definitely have other hobbies and, and passions, whether that's playing hockey or riding motorcycles or doing wildlife photography or just enjoying nature. I just try and use those, those other hobbies to stay busy and stay inspired and not go too far down the, I mean, honestly, the, the worst points of all this is when I, I'm up at, you know, one, two in the morning, having a whiskey or a tequila and I'll put on, you know, some old concert on YouTube and I'm just like, fuck, what happened here? What the fuck happened? We don't have concerts anymore. Like what's going on? This is crazy. And you're a little drunk and, you know, I could cry just thinking about the miss, not only opportunity, but just the missing the like sense of community that shows and uh, entertainment offers all of us. It's just so weird because I'm there's so many artists that I love that, you know, I'm coming up on my last chance to see them, 
you know, and I don't know if I'm going to see them play ever again. So, you know, it makes me sad, but yeah, using, using your, uh, your other hobbies and passions to stay out of those dark places definitely helps. It is hard to live life when you're not living life. Let's get, let's dive into that quote a little bit, because that's in essence, what people are trying to figure out, which is like, how do you live your life when the life that, that, you know, is the way you're almost like talking about like redefining the way you live a life. I was watching um, Bill Maher's show the other night and, and he had somebody on who said they were just talking about expanding your actual social network, not your social media network, but you, the people you actually interact with on a daily basis at work. Think of how it was for all these Uber drivers and Uber Eats and Postmates people they already were working in this like gig economy that didn't offer them any sort of social life at work to, to introduce you to people that could help you out later on. in life. Like people that I waited tables with when I first moved to LA have, you know, helped me along, you know, in their new careers now, you know, years later. And I'm still friends with people I waited tables with back in college. Come to think of it. And, and now everybody's been sort of thrust into this isolated work situation where, you know, you don't have any social life to, to live anymore, you know, let, a, let alone a social life, even at work, you, you're not meeting people and interacting with people that can help you. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's a very strange time to be alive and we're not interacting in a way that we normally should that just should help you grow as a person. Yeah. And one of the things as a, you know, as a psychologist, just as a human being, like, you know, dealing with people who I know are struggling, you know, myself included, it's balancing that validating how difficult this time is. Right. Cause you don't ever want to sort of be like, come on, it'll be okay. Like whatever, like, you know, there, there are people who are dealing with death. There are people who are dealing with sickness. There's, you know, economic uncertainty, you know, there, there's all kinds of things. People are seeing more social disparities that are that are highlighted in this circumstance. So there's there's so many very bad things happening, and you kind of need to to recognize that. But yet at the same time, to be able to say, can you find stuff that's around you? You know, like and again, like what you're talking about is like you know, think of anyone you know you know, as difficult as it may be. And obviously it's very difficult for people if they're feeling depressed or if they're sick or whatever it may have. So, but, but when you're ready, just like what you're talking about, it's just, you know, like reach out, reach out to someone that maybe you didn't think you were as connected with and just kind of see, Hey, are they, are they open to something? You know, because these are, these are for a lot of people, you know, and, and when I, when I talk with a lot of people, maybe who are involved with like hardcore punk or hip hop or, or metal sort of those, or even what you're describing more coming from a rock scene, those early days where things are not necessarily working out. That's sometimes when you can forge those bonds. And I, and I know it's difficult and I don't, I don't want to be, you know, dismissive of it or, or make it out like, Oh, this is, you know, not, not recognizing the gravity of what's happening here, but to any extent that you can, what you're talking about, it's like, this is a time to potentially reach out to people because people are probably more open now than they've ever been because everybody needs that connection. Yeah. Everybody needs the connection. And you know, those are some of the best times that I, I have, you know, wasting an hour in a day when I catch up with somebody that 
I haven't talked to in a little bit. But at least now I'm getting back to, you know, going out to lunch with people I haven't seen for a bit or, you know, grabbing dinner. You know, I make a point to go on a walk or something with some of my close friends. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a beer or something on a walk, you know, late on Friday night. You can't really do anything else. Um, so that's cool. But I, I even noticed going out, like bars and stuff are open outside here in California. And like you can go and, and have a drink but you're basically going and having a drink with somebody you already know. There's, there's that, not that like interweaving of there's no band playing in the corner of whatever pub and everybody's dancing. And maybe you happen to start dancing with some random girl and you know, you exchange numbers or whatever, and you are on your way, you know, talking the next day. That's like gone for whatever reason. And I don't know when that confidence in each other will, will come back. That's a, strange social dynamic too. So I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of question marks still, even with the vaccine on social dynamics. And I'm interested to see like how it all shakes out. I have a lot of, a lot of friends that are out there in like the Tinder world. And like, I'm like, dude, this is, you're blowing my mind right now. I like you're on FaceTime dates and it's crazy. This is not my thing. That idea though, of starting with, you know, you have your passions in life, you have your purpose in life, and this pandemic has wrecked it. And not not you personally, but other people. It's like, you know, this has taken the wind out of everybody. And just starting with like, okay, like, what are you passionate about? Even if you can't do it, can you do it a little bit? You know, you may not be able to, like you say, go to a show and dance with people and meet new people, but even doing a little bit of something, you know, the difference between feeling like you're totally helpless versus doing a little something can sometimes maybe make the difference between really, really sinking into that hole where you just lose yourself. You know, and so many of us already have lost ourselves. So it's it's getting that back is is going to be so difficult. But, you know, still like trying to take those little steps like you're talking about can, you know, anything to hold on to that passion, anything to hold on to that purpose can make a big difference now. And, and as you said, it can make a big difference in the future because sometimes those bonds are, are the ones that really last. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, one of the things I've been doing is I, since the song came out, I just started, I took the whole record, the instrumentals of the record and dumped them into a logic uh, file. And I just sing to the record, you know, close my eyes and sing to the record, imagine I'm at a show just to keep my vocals like, fresh and in shape. But like you said, it's just one of those small things you can do to feel normal, even though it's not any, that's not normal at all, but I'm doing the things, you know, eight, nine o'clock comes, I should be doing a show. I'm going to go sing the whole record, record it, make it sound great. And that's just like that little thing I do to feel somewhat normal during a weird time. So, well, listen, Mark, it's been great talking to you again. I appreciate coming on the podcast and I'm looking forward to the time where I could see Dirty Honey live. It's going to be great. And uh, congratulations on the new album. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see you this summer or sooner than later. We'll see. All right, man. Talk to you. All right. Be good, man. Thank you. So there you have it. Mark LaBelle of Dirty Honey talking about his passion for music and how it has driven him to succeed. And even if we don't aspire to be rock stars, we can learn from people like Mark, and we can find what gives us purpose in life 
work hard to achieve our purpose, and build a community around us who supports our purpose-driven life. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear on the podcast, go to our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.